tabernacle. And, and that's some Old Testament stuff. That's a fun word. When I went to youth camp, them kids just could not get over the word tabernacle. They want to be called tabernacle student ministries when we got back to Spring Hill. But listen, that was a meeting place out in the wilderness. And let me tell you something about camp. There's a lot of kids and teenagers that are in the wilderness, and they go to camp and find a meeting place in that tabernacle. And they meet Jesus. So, listen, uh, something that we, uh, Brittany and I, always sponsor uh, at least one child to camp. Um, listen, it's, it's tax return season, and there is, that is such a good, it's not a, it, to me, it's not an offering. It's not a tithe. It's an investment. Come on. Because you're sending a kid to something, and sometimes these kids are coming out of really messed up situations, and they're, uh, reading, they're, they're coming out of chaos, and they're meeting a perfect Jesus at camp. So, we love Kids camp, and you know, uh, Brittany and I especially have a heart for children because we were in children's ministry for a long time. And you know, I, I met a minister, and he said he was in children's ministry for 18 years. I said, "Dude, that's awesome!" And he said, "Then I just moved to men's ministry." He said, "Same people, same maturity level." He said, "It's just some of them can drive now." <laughs> All right, so hey. We want to finish a, a series we've been doing, and I've enjoyed preaching this, this series of messages. Y'all, next week, Pastor Mikey's going to be here. I encourage you, jump on our Facebook page and look up uh, his testimony. There's some links on there. You can kind of get a, a feel for what he's all about. Mikey, is a, he's kind of a homegrown guy. He's a Louisiana boy, went through a lot of things, got a really, really great testimony. At one point, uh, Mikey and his wife, Shireen, were actually based out of this church. And they were doing missions, and they were doing evangelism, but they were based out of this church for, for a, a kind of a brief period of time, but they were. Um, so good folks, y'all be here, invite somebody. Uh, just a really, really cool, uh, uh, just a very cool testimony and a powerful testimony at that. So anyway, I want to finish this, this series. Uh, the first week we talked about the beginning, and we talked about the creation event, how God said, boom. And there it was. And we showed that science actually proves uh, things that the Bible has mentioned thousands of years before. The Bible talked about the expansion of the universe thousands of years before our modern science, with uh, our modern scientists with their big brains, uh, found it and can prove it now. Okay, and we talked about how God fine-tuned our universe and fine-tuned this habitat for us to call home. And it's just amazing to me that the creator of the universe that is so big that can, that can do all these things, loves little old me that much. Come on, somebody. Um, and the second week, we talked about the fall of man, and we talked about the redemption of man, how although we fell uh, from, from the grace of God and we had to leave his presence because he's holy and sin entered mankind, we had to remove ourselves that Jesus came and died on a cross and bore my sins. So he paid the price for me so that I can once again be in the presence of a holy God and that the Holy Spirit can dwell within me and I can leave. Uh, lead a spirit-filled life. So we talked about that last week. And so this week we're going to finish and we're going to talk about, some of y'all think, well, the first week was the beginning. This is going to be the ending. Nope, not with God. It's the new beginning. Come on. And so uh, if you look at Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation uh, to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory 
of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Come on, is somebody in this house excited and zealous for good works? Come on. Listen, he says, I did this for you. You need to be excited about good things. Stay away from these ugly things, these things that mess you up. You know, sometimes you'll encounter somebody, and they'll have this, all this chaos in their life, and they're dealing with messed up things, and they say, I don't know what happened. And you're sitting here thinking, you happened, <laughs> you know? And uh, so, so listen, we have hope. And when we encounter someone that's going through those kind of situations, when we encounter someone who's going through those things and they don't have, they don't have hope and they don't see a way out, guess what we can say? As children of God, as people that know Jesus, we can say, guess what? I know the path to peace. I remember one time we went to, we took some boys up to uh, Oklahoma. We went to a place called Horse Thief Spring. Brother Cheese, you remember, you was there. And, uh, and that was not the time that uh, Chief Tommy fell off the mountain. That was a different time. I was not there, so don't bring my name into that story. All right? That was, okay. Listen, so we were, we were walking and we're hiking. And, and listen, y'all, I'm fat. Can I just be real? And mountains are not for fat people. That's not what God designed them for. And so I was going, and we was going down the mountain too. That's a lot easier than going up. And we're going down. And about halfway through, I just thought, Lord, I don't think you're in this. I don't think this is the, your will for my life right now. And so if you get out of the will of God, bad things start to happen. And so we were working our way out of there. And I just got, to, yeah, I kind of got to praying in my spirit. And I thought, man, I need deliverance real bad. Okay. I need some salvation from this uh, starvation. And I hadn't eaten in like 45 minutes. And, uh, and so we got, uh, man, I was thinking, we're going to all die out here. We've been out there about a, an hour and a half. And I thought, we're all going to die. My kids are going to grow up fatherless. Brittany's going to go find somebody that don't act like me. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, this, this man on a horse came riding by. And uh, he said, y'all looking for the way out? And I was like, actually, yes, we are. Do you know it? And so we, we followed this guy down this trail, and it was so reassuring to encounter someone that knew the way out. Yes. Come on, if you imagine if, if someone that you know is, is lost, and when we say lost, what we mean is, is they're lost. They're facing situations, and they've got a hopelessness in their heart because they don't know the way out. And so you as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you know the way. Come on. The early church called themselves the way. Come on. It's so good. And so, so what we're doing, I want to get back on, on subject here. Uh, I want to read the last part of Titus 11 through 14. Uh, the message version says, says it like this. It says, the new life is starting right now and is wetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic 
in goodness. Man, and that's the way I want to be. That's the way I want Community Church North Webster to be energetic. Come on, we see somebody that's going through things in their life and they're breaking through those, those boundaries and they're breaking through those barriers that Satan has put in their way. Come on, we want to applaud those people. We want to get excited when we see people growing towards Jesus and that is our purpose. Come on, somebody, to be a place that grows and you know what we say? We, we build, uh, we, we create Christ-centered culture-changing, people-growing community. Come on. And that is such a good, such a good mission, such a good uh, thing to say. And so what, what is he talking about here when he says, waiting for our blessed hope? And I want to go through some things. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about something called eschatology today. Somebody look at their neighbor and say, eschatology. Uh-huh. You said, what is that? What is that word? Listen, this is, an in, this is a study, eschatology is a study of the end times, okay? This is super interesting, and listen, we could spend weeks, we could spend months. I told Pastor Daphne yesterday, I said, man, we could spend weeks on this message, and she said, brother, we could spend months on that message, and a lot of people do, and that's fun, and it's really great information. It's a really good Bible study, and, uh, and I'd like to do that maybe and grow you. But I want to go over some things really quickly and kind of lay out what the Bible teaches us about the end times. And when I was a kid, how many of y'all grew up in church? Bunch of us, okay. When I was a kid growing up in this church, we preached rapture, or they preached rapture. I'd be up under the pew. They preached rapture like every other Sunday. And I thought it's going to happen like right now. And so then we'd be sitting in church and the sound system would like explode. And then you'd get up and you'd look. And there were a few people uh, that and you would look and see if they were still here. And if they're still here, then you think we're good. It didn't happen yet because you know that they're holy. And so we call those rapture drills. And every once in a while, they still happen. Um, anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but we preach rapture. We preach rapture all the time. But I want to challenge you. I want to use a different word. And I'll, probably, I'll say rapture a few more times this morning because we all know that word. But I want to say gathering because that's what the Bible teaches us. That when Jesus comes to return, to rapture, it teaches that he is gathering his people unto him. Come on. And that's exciting. And so one day after Jesus' resurrection, he ascended. He was walking with his, with his people, walking with his followers. And all of a sudden, he ascended into the clouds. And while his disciples were still staring there thinking, what did he just do? They're sitting there watching. Uh, two angels appeared. And in Acts 1, 11, it says, they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. So let's talk about that. The rapture, this gathering, uh, the same Greek word that's used in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 for caught up is used in Acts 8.39 to describe Philip being caught away. There was a guy named Philip, and at some point uh, he, was, he, he baptized a man, and then he just was caught away. He was taken somewhere else. Um, and uh, the latter verse says that uh, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away identifying the source of the power that will remove believers from earth at the rapture, okay? Uh, it's 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, Paul called the rapture our gathering together unto him, okay? And the word gathering there is the same word used for assembling. 
Okay, and so what, what, what am I kind of chewing this over again? Because there, there's a lot of different teachings out there about this subject. And, and I'm not going to go really deep into a lot of this because I want us to understand what, what the Bible says. And we're not going to look at some really, really, we're not going to split hairs this morning. But there are a lot of different teachings out there about this. Um, but so what the Bible says is that there will, there will come a day when righteous people, the church, will be gathered to Jesus. We don't know when that day is. There are preachers out there that like to predict when, this, when it happens. That's unwise. Uh, so far, they've all been wrong. Um, so we're not going to say it's the day before tax day. We're not going to be doing that. Um, but we know that it's coming. Okay? And I want to challenge you with this. If we look at the first coming of Jesus, when Jesus was born, we can ask ourselves, why was Jesus born at that certain time period? Why was he born <clears throat> right when he was? Well, there was something that happened at that time called the Pax Romana, and that was a Roman peace. Okay? And see, this Roman Empire was so strong that it had, it had connected most of the world. And so I want to challenge you with this. Has the world ever been as connected as it is now, even if we say virtually, because of the internet, okay? And, and listen, I just wanted to throw that at you. That's something that, you know, in discussion that we realized. But I think that we see a lot of things happening, and it scares us. We see a lot of wickedness in the world, and it bothers us. And we think, man, you know, is the church going to endure this? Are, are, are people going to keep hating each other? Are people going to keep doing this? And I think that as Christians, we need to have an urgency about us. We need to make sure that not only are we speaking the truth, not only are we preaching the truth in the gospel, that, but that we're living it in such an outward way that everybody knows. Because there's going to come a day when Christ's people are gathered to him. And if we haven't told, if we haven't shared this message then at that point, who will? And so that challenges me to be urgent. Listen, I think that a lot of churches have gotten away from preaching and teaching on, on the rapture, on end times, because it's kind of scary. And it's, it talks about things like uh, that are really apocalyptic and, and bad things happen. And we're going to talk about some of that in just a second. And I think that the church, uh, a lot of churches kind of get away from that because it's just spooky. But I don't want us to do that. I want us to have hope. Come on, that's why it says blessed hope. Because I have hope that Christ comes and he takes us from that situation. And if we can reach others, guess what? They go too. All right, so the second thing I want to talk about really quickly is something called the Great Tribulation. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's a huge deal. But... After this gathering happens, after Christ appears, gathers his people to him, there is a time of, of, of a lot of bad things happening on the earth. And we call this the Great Tribulation. Um, in the Assemblies of God, there's a lot of different teachings out there. In the Assemblies of God, we teach uh, a post, what we call post-tribulation or pre-tribulation uh, rapture. And that says that Jesus comes and he gathers us before all these things begin to happen, okay? But there are some things that happen, and, and you've heard teachings on, uh, like, the Antichrist. You've heard teachings on the mark of the beast and all those things. And 
we're, church, we're not going to be here for those things. Come on, we're going we're gonna to follow Christ, and when he calls us, we're going with him. But I don't want anybody that I love to be here when those things happen. I don't want people in my community to be here when those things happen. And so I want to have an urgency to not only teach them the gospel, but to show them through the way I live my life. And I think that's a, that's a great calling on all of us. And so after this, this thing happens, um, there's the actual, people get the, the rapture and the second coming of Christ confused. Because the rapture is not the second coming. The rapture is a gathering. After that tribulation, after that period of a lot of things going on, Christ does return uh, for a second coming. And then there's something called the millennial reign. So for a thousand years, uh, Christ reigns uh, on earth. He brings uh, Israel to, uh, to peace, and he brings the world to peace. And um, after that happens, um, there is a final judgment. Uh, which uh, people that are uh, wicked dead will be raised and judged according to their works. And whoever is not found written in what we call the, the book of life, uh, they, they are uh, together with the devil and his angels, the beast and the false prophet, all these things that we just kind of talked about, uh, they are placed in a place called punishment. And that's kind of tough to talk about. And I think that a lot of places in, in American church, we get away from those subjects because it's so, it seems so harsh. Punishment? God's going to punish me? And I think the, the, the biggest thing that we suffer with, that, that people that are find themselves in this punishment suffer, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, in hell they have all this happen and all this. I think the biggest thing will be eternal separation from Christ. I think that'll be the biggest thing. I think that'll be the hard thing that, that your spirit faces. And so after that, and this is where the bulk of what we're going to talk about today comes in. After all those things happen, Revelation uh, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy, trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. I want to give you three things today. Number one, Jesus is always our hope. Have you ever begun a project and not finished it? Come on, all the wives in this room said, said I know somebody. <laughs> <I'm> a, <laughs> there is a place uh, in the capital 
where the UN has this, this meeting room, and, and, and this, is, this is a political joke, so cover your ears. Uh, the, the ceiling, part of it's unfinished, and they didn't finish it because uh, they said, well, this is a signal that our work's never done. And I just kind of, I saw that, and I thought, I, I just think it's a regular government project. It just didn't get finished. Um, <laughs> sorry, I won't do it again. But, you know, sometimes you, you get in there and you start working on something, and I know I'm terrible about this. We'll get in and, and start to work on something, and then it, maybe it gets too hard, it gets too complicated, you just kind of leave it. That's why a lot of people, if they mow their yard, they find like two cars, okay? Because you get out there working on something, and then you just don't finish it. Come on, can I tell you that Jesus never does that? Whatever he begins, he finishes. Come on, and if, you, if you're going through something in your life, and he begins a work in your life, if you hang on and you stay true, guess what? It gets finished. And that's why I love this language here. I, uh, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There's never a time where he doesn't have a plan for our lives. There's never a time he doesn't have a plan for our situations. That's why Community Church North Webster, we say we love souls, not situations. Because no matter where you're at in your life, no matter how messed up it might look, Jesus has a plan and it's a lot bigger than what you're facing. Come on, somebody. Uh, so look, so we can always have hope in him, no matter what we are facing. And so we look around, and as a pastor, people, they, they come to me and they say, Pastor, do you see all these things happening? Do you see all this stuff on the news? I say, baby, I don't watch the news. They say, well, do you look on Facebook? I say, I'm just here for the memes. Okay? I'm not looking at the news. Listen, can I just, can I preach? Listen, I don't have to watch Fox News because I've got this news. I don't have to look at all that because I can look at all this. And the truth contained in these pages outweighs all of that stuff. It is so much better. And when you grab a hold of the truth that is Christ, all the lies, all the lies of earth are so worthless. Come on, somebody, when you know this, when you stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, come on. Listen, I could, I could do that song, but that C-H-R-E-S-T-I-N song, it was hard for me to keep up on that one, okay? Because, you know, little JB was hard, was not good at the spelling words, okay? <laughs> Whew. Listen, so... Listen, we always have hope in Jesus. The second thing, he leads with peace and justice. Come on, how many of us have ever gotten a bad argument? How many of us have ever not known what to do and we got frustrated? Have you ever had a boss? I've heard it said that people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. Have you ever had a boss that you thought, you know, I'm not going to pray that they get a flat, but I'm not going to pray they don't get a flat. <laughs> Listen, Jesus, no matter what the disciples, I love the disciples because I could see myself in them. And they would face situations and not know what to do. And they would freak out. Just like the storm, they said, Jesus, it's a big storm. And he's like, man, I'm taking a nap. He never lost his cool. He never lost his peace. Y'all, because he's the prince of peace. 
And that's why we say in these times of turmoil, we have an advantage. Because not only do we follow him, not only do we have him in our, in our heart, but we know the way to him. Yeah. And so when we see someone facing situations, we can say, hey, look at this. Look at this peace. And, uh, man, I felt so good. Somebody came up to me uh, one time. We were, we were doing some training for this job, and, and he came up to me and he said, hey, man, I just want to say something to you. And I thought I was in trouble, and I was just like, okay. And he said, I think you're legit. And I was like, but I think you're legit too. And he said, he said, you know what? I have a lot of pastors come through here, and they all, they all use a lot of ugly language. They all tell nasty jokes. He said, the whole time we've been here, I've been watching you, and you haven't done any of that. And I thought, not because I didn't want to. <laughs> but <laughs> edit that part out. <laughs> Listen. When we follow Jesus, we have this peace that is unnatural. People start freaking out, and we have peace. Something goes on in our family. And listen, hey, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you don't face situations. Come on, somebody. Just because you're following Jesus don't mean that you might not get your feet a little hurt on the way, that you get a little tired. Come on, we face those things. But it's not that we don't face things, but it's that when we do face things, we know how to face them. Because we've got a hope in our heart, and we've got a path. And our leader, the one that we follow, come on, the firstborn of our faith, he leads with peace and justice. The third thing I want to share with you today, and then I'm going to get ready to close. So, Ben, y'all can go ahead and come back up. The third thing. He wants to be with us. And he wants us to be with him. Come on, let me say that again in a little, little different way. He wants to dwell with us. He wants us to dwell with him. One thing that used to really drive me bonkers was my daughter would come into our room almost every night. Some of you parents have been there. She would show up, come in the door, and she'd come in there, and she'd crawl up in the bed with us. And I'm just like, man, first your mama's snoring, now you're going to be snoring. <laughs> I just said that because she, she can't hit me because she's way over there. Clayton will protect me. And it used to bother me. Until she stopped doing it. And then I missed my little girl being close to me. Because I knew when she was with me, I could protect her. Doesn't matter if she had a bad dream. I had her right there. I knew that she was close. Come on, can I tell you that God, we're his kids. And can I tell you that it brings his heart joy? when we stay close to him. Why else, when we walked away, way, 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 way long ago, when sin entered our hearts, how tragic, not only for us, but think about that God, just think about the way that his love for us 
even in that moment, he had to, he, had, he couldn't be with us anymore because he's holy. And we were, all of a sudden, had sin in our hearts. And so he says, don't worry, I got you. And even at the very beginning, even at the very time that we fell from grace, he said, there is coming one. Someone is coming that will crush the head of the serpent that took you away from me and will bring redemption and will give you a way back. And so we talk about the way to peace. We talk about knowing the path. Listen, what we should say is we know the way back home. There's a lot of people that have run away from home. And uh, it's time for us to get back. I love the story of the, the, the prodigal son, the one that ran away, did all these horrible things. Come on, can I tell you that when I was a runaway, I did some nasty, stupid things. Hated the church, cursed God's name. And I said, God, don't you talk to me. I said, God, you are a liar. You're nothing. Because I thought, if God was real, why do I have to go through these things? And I didn't know because, listen, the enemy will blind you. And if he can get in your head, come on, somebody, he can get in your heart. And once you decide it in your head, then you decide it here too. And so if you decide, I'm a sinner, I'm worthless, I'm a loser. If you think that up here, then that's what you become. And so blinded, I didn't see that the whole time I hated him, he still loved me. The whole time I ran, I said, don't you talk to me. He was right there, waiting. <laughs> just like the prodigal when I finally decided to come back hey at the campground let me tell you what happened we got a few minutes don't look back there we had a, we had a preacher I don't even remember this preacher's name I just remember uh, I remember his face and he had a, a sermon preached a powerful sermon some of y'all remember me. I had that long hair and I had this goopy gel all in it. And listen, this was a young man that needed help. This was a young man that needed a path and knew the way, but ignored the way. And heard God, could, could knew that God's heart was out there, but ignored it. And just like the prodigal, there came a day when I decided to come back. And I remember this preacher was speaking and he actually gave a, an altar call about healing. And he said, if you've got an issue, you've got, you're sick, you, you, something's wrong, why don't you come down and, and we'll pray. And I sat there and y'all, the Holy Spirit beckoned me in such a way. And I remember sitting there and my brother, he's my brother-in-law now, but I say my brother, because we've been best friends for a long time. You know, God used that boy. And he put his hand on my back. He said, man, 
Because I think it's time. And so I got up and I went down front. And I, I knelt at the altar. And the pastor came over and he said, Hey, he said, what's wrong? What do you got going on? Are you sick? And I said, I said, I need to be healed. He said, what do you need to be healed from, son? And I said, I need to be healed from sin. I need to be healed from being lost. And so right there at that place, we prayed together. And I said, Christ, I want to follow you. And just like the prodigal who ran and did all these things, came running back to Jesus, just like the prodigal's father, he had his arms open wide. Come on, let me tell you something. Although the road has not been easy, God has been faithful. And now you see. And I'm so thankful for the people that stood by me even when I was doing these stupid things. I'm so thankful. And you know what? God is so good. You, now I get to stand by people that are doing the same stuff. And so at the very end of, of the book of Revelation, you'll go ahead and stand with me real quick. At the very end of the book, the Bible says that in this place there is no more darkness. And it says that the Lamb is the light. And I want to challenge you with that this morning. That there's no place that is so dark that God can't illuminate it. That God can't be a light. And something that we want to do here at Community Church every time we meet, we want to give everyone an opportunity. If you're in a place that you've run away from home, you find yourself in a, a messed up situation this is a place of hope and there's people here that know the path to peace and so I want to do something today if you're in this place and you say pastor I want to maybe I, I'm not walking with God maybe I've run away from home maybe I am walking with him but I want more Come on, I want to be greedy for more of his presence. Can I say that? I want to be so hungry for more of his presence. And if you're in this room and you say either any one of those three things, I want to invite you as they begin, begin to worship. I want to invite you to this altar. If you know somebody that's facing situations in their lives and you want to come down here and take a knee for that person, then I want to challenge you to do so. These altars are open right now, and I'm going to lead by example, and, and I'll be the first one. Come on, I want to invite you. If you're in this place, and you know somebody, or you yourself says, I want to be closer, come on, let's do this.